covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome one, welcome all to the latest edition of the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman alongside my good buddy, pal, and friend as well, Jim Bernier in studio with me as we wrap up episode six of six of this week's NAL championship week of shows. Jim, before we get moving here, um, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been a whirlwind of getting this together. Um, didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't exp- it feels weird getting six episodes done in five days <laughs> to say it like that. Yeah. Uh, over two hours of content, um, a lot of editing, good conversations behind the scenes with a lot of people that we've had. Of course, Nick Hag, Sam Castronova, Kendrick Gings, Jeff Levesque, uh, Coach Manas, and Coach Rez. Uh, just it just it's it's what this league needs to hype up the championship game, and it's awesome. Um, especially doing it with you. Uh, this has Thank been you. a crazy week, and it's also been a crazy year. Um, I guarantee both of us will agree that we're really looking forward for every other week schedule again. <laughs> Um, cause, uh, besides from that, it's, it's been a great time. And, um, the reason why people want to know, um, the NOS has made comments about this and the Lex made comments about this. Um, I got to keep tradition live for the last season episode. So I'm literally, this is not really, I can be in my, in my house right now recording it, but I'm not, I'm just sticking with tradition for the last episode of 2022 in my truck. And also um jacksonville um to so just keep you down if you lost watch the episode earlier today you <laughs> oh my know the god why um get ready for that uh but anyways yeah it's i've, got, I've got my i've got my spirit on standby now after <laughs> after this so we'll i'll be uh i'll be throwing one back for you yeah so everyone or it could be or, or it could be like me and you all behind the scenes that um before we got in the recording that i made Lacroix reference to a tequila and i was like holy oh, yeah. crap no Lacroix is a sparkling water what am i talking about the steel of the century folks Lacroix. it is yeah it's the most expensive of tequila shot in the united states get 12 ounces it just came it just rolled off the tongue fine Lacroix. so yeah uh, it's been awesome man over two hours of content uh we'll definitely have shows next week especially we're gonna keep it with how we did last year where we'll talk to the championship game MVP, um, most likely, or the could have Rez or could have Coach Noss back on to talk about the championship game itself. So we'll be back next week. Then we might take a week off, then come back for the good, bad, and ugly to wrap up the 2022 season. But then again, I want to say thank you for the support. Thank you for everyone in Albany has reached out to us. Um, thank you for the people in Carolina. Um, thank you for trusting us uh, for this whole season. Oh, yeah. And I want to just, again, this is championship week. You got to get a championship game talk tonight. Thank you to the National Arena League. Thank you to Chris Vickfree, Rod Storm, Jeff, uh, I almost said the wrong person's name there for Steve Curran. Yeah. Um, almost, 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 almost thanked my boss for my work <laughs> to do the National oh. Arena League. Um, and I also want to thank um, Josh Blair of the Columbus uh, Lions for giving us this opportunity to be the official podcast. So hopefully you enjoyed all the content and of all the guests that we had. Um, this offseason is going to be good. Get some things building the back. Uh, 
So I'm looking forward to it. Get like, you know, the season hit fire. The season finale is like the episodes of your favorite shows. When it ends, you're like, oh, dear God, can't wait to next season. Then you look at when's next, like, I got to wait six months for this? Trust me, you're not going to have that feeling. We're going to be here right after. And we'll keep giving you content throughout the National Football League season and the hype to 2023, uh, which um, it's going to be exciting because it's football. And in the United States, football doesn't die. It's year-round. Remember oh, that, yeah. folks. Oh, yes, yes. You know, you know very well, you and I follow that sentiment quite frankly, to a T. Yeah. There's tons of football out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just the NFL. Don't say football's back when the NFL season's around because it never left. It's always here now. Just got to look for it. Nonetheless, I am very grateful for what we've been able to do this year. Again, my sentiments as well, like Jim saying, go out to the execs of like Chris Siegfried, commissioner, as well as Rob Storm, Josh Blair, Steve Curran, those in the NAL that gave us our opportunity to jump on these airwaves and say proudly mm-hmm. that we can be called the official podcast of the National Arena League, uh, which we believe is the best arena league in the country by far and some of the best top-tier play that you're going to find in this version of the sport. And we get to capsulate that with the championship game here um, when you guys get to watch it with us, you know, one way or another um, in Albany, New York, or on your TV screen too. Um, And we're going to have plenty of stuff this offseason. So just like Jim's saying, I cannot wait for some of the – surprises twists and turns the league brings us uh can't can't wait to uh at least hit the ground running on kind of a few things but i also am in the same vein where it's like i do need a little bit of a space that'll be nice to get a a little bit of a break after the whirlwind we did this week so without further ado guys we are going to get this final walkthrough set up for you as we always do news nuggets in the league followed up by what you've been waiting for our picks for the 2022 national real league championship in Albany, New York, August 13th at 7 p.m. in the MVP Arena downtown. Yeah. All right, news this week. Well, award season for the NAL, as we know. It is now here. We haven't, of course, gotten all the awards. The banquet's going to be taking place Friday before the NAL championship, so you're going to have to wait tonight. on those announcements. So, Or tonight, yes, yeah. <laughs> as we record as we record here. It's going to be coming up here. So stay tuned for that. We weren't going to be able to get that, but we could talk about, of course, the all NAL teams, which are very much the prestigious awards. And this year, here's the twist. Guys can get basically nominated for performances at either position if they're Ironman players, or of course, if you're specialist, you get that too. But, you know, nominations, it came down to the guys that if you're playing well in that position, you play on both sides and they like, both ways you play you can be up for both those sides there's multi-position guys on these lists if you see as we go along that mm. it's got your i'm impressed because that's kind of iron man of the year mentality is who do you look for that was able to perform at both sides of the ball even maybe three sides of the ball while yeah so keep this as my as we go down um something else to keep in mind and we'll go as we jump into the second team um Definitely plenty of talent from the revamp of the gunslingers that showed up. Uh, you got to get props to that. Um, and then you get the usual suspects, the, you know, the Cobras of the world, the empire, you know, the lions of course having their own in there. All six teams did get represented one way or another in the all NAL. Yeah. So you got, you love to see it. And of course there's there's quality talent when you have six teams like this, you know, it's going to be competitive football every week and not everyone's going to be split up 
to every team. It's it's distributed well enough to where you can get the best of the best still across the board. Oh, agreed. And you gotta give a shout out to San Antonio in this situation. Um, they basically took almost every second team award. Um, that just tells you what they did in the second half of the season, how they just were the hottest team in the league and they just ran out of time. Uh, mm-hmm. That just gets, you know, that's, a, you know, that's tipping of the hat to uh, Fred Shaw down in San Antonio. Um, but it's nice to see that every player, every team has a representative on these two teams because there's a lot of talent. And of course we know Orlando didn't have a season that they expected, but they still have some solid players that made the list. There's some, players that were left out um, that we can't mention um, that, again, deserve to be on the list, but there's only a certain amount of spots to get in two teams. Um, but you look at overall, well, you said both players could be on both words. Like, for example, DJ Myers, he's a second-team wide receiver, but he's the first-team um, Jack linebacker. Yeah. Um, so that tells you something about DJ. Um, but, of course, the, nose, the noticeable people, Casper Nova, Darius Prince, Naquan Murray surprised me. I thought Naquan's the second team. They expect him to be a first team. Um, and, of course, there's some players out there that missed the cut. Um, but, again, not, there's only six spots for receivers, and you can literally go down and listen to this league of 12 to 13 receivers that belong on that list. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty hard, and for me, me and Zach can, you know, give you guys legit reasons. We had votes in this, and yes. it was very hard for us to put these votes in. <laughs> like, I think something. I did my ballot like six or seven times, and I was like, oh, just let me get a piece of paper, throw in the air, and then wherever it lands or flush it down the toilet, well, whatever it's, happens. It's harder, too, when, you know, you do – it. the league it being the level the NAL is, it's still – very personal. You get to talk to these players a lot more easily available access to this. So a lot of these guys we do, we've either talked to, or we know who they are when we watch these games. And it's, it's hard, you know, and you have mm-hmm. a lot of nominations you got to go through, you know, um, cause I, I'm with you, you know, it was, it was hard for me to have some picks off of my own, but the thing is that, you know, you have an accumulated essentially pool of guys. It's not just us right. voting. It's basically the accumulation of, a ton of personnel from executives, team owners, coaches, select media personnel that get looked and at. It, and it's also our personal feelings towards certain players or coaches. We're like, I really like this guy, good relationship, but he actually was a better person, player, better player or better executive or whatever. It's like doing these votes is very hard. It's not like yes. presidential and political votes where you're like, ah, okay. Or I hate this guy, Man, whatever. Um, hopefully, hopefully the FBI doesn't come after me when I say that. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, that was trending today. I was like, hope, like hashtag. Hopefully, the FBI is not following me. I'm like, what's this? And then, then I was, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's the reason why. But yeah, uh, but yeah, that had nothing to do with the NAL. I uh, just know it was so hard for me, especially the hardest position for me to decide who gets a certain spot. Was the uh, the Mac linebacker in my opinion? Mm, yeah, um, because you Nick Hag, then you had Starks, then you had Zach Brown, and then, then you had you know Devin Wilson played a couple of. Oh, he started. He was Jack. Uh, he was the Jack. Hey. Um, 
There's three to four players for that Mac position. Like, they can both be first. They can both be second. It was so hard to do it. And, of course, the quarterback position, for me, I've had people text me, message me, Albany, get your uh, shot glasses ready, um, that they're like, where's Arvell Nelson well, in I, the first and second team? And I, I I'm think... like, I don't know. It's the Robert Kent had a better second half of the season than Arvell. Arvell had two games that he was supposed to be clutch, didn't get clutch. Robert uh, Robert Kitt was. And I was like, sometimes Jacksonville has to stay, take the step back in this. Yes, we have a couple players, but still, I, I'm a person who believes that Arvin, uh, Robert Kent, or Kent deserves it more than Arville mm-hmm. Nelson, especially you know, in the second half of the season. And you know what? Let, let's get through the second team here while we're talking about Because I think, you know, I, I will get through some of the other picks that I, to me, I was mm-hmm. like, well, tough tough call but i understand so right. or at least it's tough call because of you know it's hard to get squeeze to have a squeeze in squeeze out if you're if that ma- makes any sense um, any snubs you want to mention you think our honorable we, we mentions will. Say shit? We, i i think we will i but i got three I, players and, and i, I, I have a few yeah. too uh that i i say it, it could be flip-flopped or possible mm-hmm. um so if you're on through a second team Quarterback, as Jim said, Robert Kent uh, was the second team all NAL for running back position. His running back, Pierre Thomas, Pierre Turner. Sorry, I almost said Pierre Thomas. Pierre Turner is the that'd be running, epic, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'd be something that would be, <laughs> but no, 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 like, no, no, no. You're playing in two leagues? Not bad. <laughs> Dude no, must Pierre, love football. <laughs> Pierre Turner, the gunslinger's own running running back, lands at the second team all NAL nod. Wide receiver Khalil Rashad. Yes, it says Khalil Rashad on the graphics. I don't know why. It's Khalil Rashad. Just a heads up, guys. Make sure you do the names right. People get iffy on that. Khalil Rashad was second team wide receiver for the NAL. You might see a pattern here. The, uh, the starting gunslinger's uh, offense had plenty of nods. In fact, both, both number one and two spots for the receiving options got in this team because wide receiver Philip Barnett also got a second team all NAL nod. Uh, former the former uh, Albany Empire receiver from last season who came in later who came in a little later with the team but made an impact right away. Um, was very eminent awesome. as he came onto the field. Okay, he's a former Colbert too. Oh yeah, that's fair. Just saying, yeah, I get more Cobras too. Just, just adding on. Got to keep it honest. So I appreciate that. Speaking of Cobras, DJ Myers, the former predator, I'll even we'll go with that as well. Uh, but no, speaking of that, DJ Myers, who is he, as Jim <laughs> mentioned, he's getting two knots here. He's second team all NAL for receivers. So uh, really uh, well, well deserved. I mean, it's amazing to think that, you know, he's second team for here, but his defensive mm-hmm. skills are where they're shining when we talk about this later. For the front line, you have Melvin Hollins for center, Albany Empire. You also have Deshaun Johnson for the offensive line. And then the second offensive line position went to Brandon Thorpe, the first nod for the Columbus Lions. We moved over to the defensive side. This is where things kind of get a lot more jumbled up. Uh, mm-hmm. This is where the Sharks start coming in more too. Quan Stallworth, nose DL, second team all NAL. Shy Hill, defensive line, Jacksonville Sharks. And then we get into a list of Cobras here, defensive line. Larry Ford, who had quite the season himself over there in Carolina. Zach Brown, second team Mac linebacker selection. He actually gets a first team nod as well, like DJ Myers, by the way, when we go into this later. He is there at Mac at Jack Trayvon Shorts, 
is on there at the Jack linebacker, which for you folks is like, well, all NAL two years in a row. It's But, you know, he did. The thing is, he got in a little late. He actually, I think, was impressive with his running back skills. But you'll see um, whole season production affected that role there, as we'll mm-hmm. talk about later. Delvin Randall, who led the league in interceptions at the end of the season, by the way, second team all NAL for the Orlando Predators, the first of two Predators nods that are on this list. Marlisa Leggett, a veteran of of multiple arena leagues and a star in both, both the AFL and the NAL. He lands second team all NAL defensive back alongside his teammate, Jarrell Green. Both of them roamed the Lions defense, who at the end of the regular season were best scoring defense in the National Arena League. Um, if anyone's watched them this season, that secondary, it's not a surprise. And then the special teams kicker, Mark Orozco, he was going to be on one of these possibly um, not shocked by this at all. Uh, he lands there as the kicker for all second team and then kick returner, Darian Townsend. He lands as a second team kick returner. Um, thoughts on the second team, Jim. Uh, the, the, there's a few things that I'm about the second team. All these guys deserve it. Well-deserved. Um, hats off. You have a reward and you'll be acknowledged for the award. Um, but there's a couple of guys on that list. And I go, if this didn't happen, they would have been first team. Yeah. And that is, uh, Mark, uh, Roscoe for Albany. If he didn't get hurt, I think he's first team in the L, um, cause he was the only kicker kicking deuces in the, in the L as the season progressed. And he got an injury and had a couple of weeks off. So that gave TC Stevens the more, opportunity and i meant to mention this in Manas, and they i don't know is with albany why they get the clutch kickers they got peterson last year now they got orozco like well that uh, was funny because that was our that was one of our big questions coming into the season was about you know not having craig and mark comes Uh, in it's like all right forget it mark easily mm -hmm. supplemented that really well you know um well overall what a lot of fans outside especially albany they they go they look at trayvon shorts and go What's it? He wasn't with Albany started here. He was in Carolina. So yeah, he was in Carolina. Mm-hmm. He went to back, to, but in Albany knew how to put him in the right position to win and perform. Um, if you look at his overall body of work, you look at him as a running back. The offense in, Al- in Albany has opened up since he's been in the running back position. But he's been on the defensive side of the ball. Guy's been the beast when he's on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he well deserved, and I've seen a lot of people uh, messing the message boards how this player should have been here because. You know, throwing out some nonsense because a lot of hatred towards the Albany. Apparently, Albany has rivalries with everybody in the league. Every team's <laughs> a rival to Albany. Um, but you got to put the rivalry behind you, people. Uh, Trayvon Schwartz is a dominant player. Yes. Um, and he literally, me and Zach had this conversation before in a couple past episodes. I don't think Albany would be in this situation right now without him. So he's a second team player, but. Mm-hmm. When Hag was back there, Hag is a beast. We had him on the show on Monday. He's a beast. We even joked in off screen about the that we didn't air it. He didn't like playing running back. Because <laughs> every time he was running back, he kept playing. He's like, ah, I'd rather hit people. Um, so they put they brought Trayvon Shorts in. Offense, completely different, different dynamic. Castronova is more of his mobility self, and he's win by his legs. Because Teams have to worry about Trayvon. Another person that I like, Kyle Rashad, in my opinion, should be first team receiver, but there he did make the first team. Um, he, in my opinion, is 
low key an MVP dark horse in the NL. That guy had he single handedly, my opinion, kept San Antonio in a lot of football games. We had him on the show, um, and and when we got into him and started learning his story and talking about San Antonio, that made me a fan of him. I was like, I want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Kent again. The you can basically say Robert Kent is the Ryan Fitzpatrick of the National Arena League or in the arena game because he's played for a long list of teams for many of years. He comes right into San Antonio when they were in the hard times early in the season where we thought there were some darker, darker times coming from San Antonio. He comes in and changes the game for San Antonio and made, yeah. made them not just playoff contenders, but a threat to a lot of upper teams. And they knocked off some teams. And at the season, end of the year, they were at their tops. Um, but were. if you look at overall, I'm going to say – there was one snub, and on as for, and I really, really liked this guy. I voted for him. I think someone else did in our votes, but Freddie Booth Lloyd did not make it, and that really was like, you know, gotta look around. Yeah, I know he was a hard team that didn't play well, but he, when he was in, he was dominant, and that was I'm one with, of the snubs. And right, I'm, I, I'm with, I'm with you're you. You're with me. Well, yeah. Well, no, I oh, I wow. love Freddie. I liked Freddie Booth Lloyd with when he was the majority of the season. Injury yeah. injury woes, I think, for some reason, affected yeah. the process of him being able to be nominated. So right. that's the thing that kills me is because I, if if I would be able to, I'll be honest, if I would mm-hmm. be able to vote for him, I would have voted for him. Yeah. Um, as the way the as process the works, you can't really, yeah. So yeah. and. and- and another guy that I thought was snubbed out, but again, like we said about Roscoe and Freddie Booth Lloyd injuries, and that's Jonathan Bain. Um, Man, but, well, you'll you'll see here in a second what we when we talk because that that's yeah. that's implying something. Really. Yeah. Um, but when we look at, especially there's receivers out there that didn't make the list. I'm like, and we had one of those receivers on the show. Well, one of them. Well, yeah, we did. We did have was say we did have one on the show. Another one we hadn't. Um, Clarence we Williams, I still am shocked as well. Um, exactly. Like there are receivers that didn't make the second team. You're like, well, without without that player on that team, that team may not be where they're at right now, or make right. the I playoffs mean, or something I mean, like that. And that's Clarence what's Williams, crazy. Clarence did great with or without Raheem Cato come the end of the year. Whoever was quarterback, Williams mm-hmm. was still performing. Right. I mean, it's whoever, just, yeah, whoever's signing on guys for the Preds next year, I hope you get Clarence back as one of your pieces alongside like Lonnie, if you can, um, yeah. and Larry that Beavers, because that'll be a good receiving core. You just got to lock stuff down. We've talked about this course, but mm-hmm. Clarence could, Clarence to me was a guy that should have been at least NAL second team. So yeah. I was shocked by that. My, well, I can, I, I know who I voted for the second team as receivers, and one of them, didn't make the either team, and that is um, Kendrick Gings. Yeah, um, that's another one. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said we talked to receiver. Uh, my other two guys was Devin Wilson, who did make uh, who didn't who again didn't make second team, and the other receiver also got actually no, he didn't. He did make one of the teams, uh, but he didn't make my receive the receiver. He was uh, uh not Cali Rashad. Uh, Darian Townsend. Yeah, you're so okay. And yeah. So um but yeah, um 
it, again, ladies and gentlemen, it's so hard picking. If one thing I've known me and Zach and the people we talk to, we love this game so much. It's like mm-hmm. we're trying to pick our Pro Bowl teams on six teams for two teams, two uh, first right. and second teams. It's so hard. It's not like the NFL where you have 32 teams with 55 man rosters and you know who the elite the lead are. <laughs> right, right. When a league is like six teams, like it is in the NAL, and every team has so much talent. It's like, Give me a throw me a bone here, but yeah, um, the just again Kendrick Ings, Freddie Buford, and Jonathan Boehner, the ones that was like, oh okay, okay. Um, those, again, those stick out specifically to me. But uh, all three so. of those players had significant injuries during the season that slowed their progression or slowed them to get a team vote. Uh, we have no idea about the awards yet because that would be announced on Friday night. So, but right. yeah, not surprised, but. Um, but the men people and the men who were in the first team, they very well deserve it. And um, I have, I can't debate the first team that because right. I agree with all these picks in the first team. And let's go through the first team while we're at it. Obviously, um, discussing Jonathan Bain, he he is not in the fir- first team um, as mm-hmm. we talk with snubs. Um, and nor is Arvell Nelson, as Jim suggested. So, um, Really, the that might leave open space for you who you could possibly guess. Uh, quarterback Sam Castro. Really, <laughs> you, you shut me down mid sentence. N- yeah. Nice one, Jim. Sorry, my bad, um, dude. I messed you. You know, we're good. We're good. Quarterback <laughs> Sam Castronova, who we've had, who we had on the show on Monday, he gets an All NAL First Team nod. Congratulations to him. Hell of a turnaround for his seasons. We have discussed at full length. It's been night and day, mm-hmm. year over year. So good for him. Running back. Zach Brown is first team. One of the two guys we mentioned from the Cobras that got both first and second team nods for Carolina. So Zach Brown's getting a first team nod as a running back, which full season production work. He was definitely the best running back in the national arena league. uh, No doubt about it in terms of pure rushing capability for the position. I know Sam Castronova led in rushing statistics, but when it's QBs versus RBs in the league, you got to put that stigma. Nonetheless, best running back, Zach Brown easily wide receiver Darius Prince. Do we really have to go into that? I mean, it's the name alone. And unless he's injured, you can kind of assume he's going to be here. Um, so yeah, Darius Prince getting that first team. Now Nyquan Murray, who definitely talk about a season for this kid, um, you know, having to basically supplant or supplement Devin Wilson's production. And he really was the true number one by the end of the year for, for the Sharks. Excellent work for him. Um, also adding into this list, wide receiver Darian Townsend. Now talk about a guy who had to go through QB changes. Um, mm-hmm. One dude that, you know, as we talk, second team returner, return man himself, also now first team wide receiver, definitely a deserved nod. Uh, offensive line setups here, center Derek Ziegler. I had no surprise, honestly. Definitely one of the top, top at that position in the NAL. The only lineman we know that was a specialist for for this year, or at least played a special position at, t- at times for the Cobras. So it shows mm-hmm. you how how important his position was and how important his impact is that, at that spot. Offensive line, Cornelius Lewis, no surprise to me either. Dude was bullying on both sides of the ball this season. Did a great job as one of the tackles for the Albany Empire. And then, you know what, Jim, Can you do you know how to pronounce this gentleman's name? I feel bad if I pronounce it wrong. Uh, right. Uh, mm, 
Leoga Russell. Fayo. Oh, you're talking about Fayo. Oh, yeah, Fayo. Yeah, you, you, you pronounced it right. Yeah. But yes. I am yeah. not losing my mind. No, 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 no. Balioga no, Russell no, getting the other yeah. offensive line nod. I'm glad I got that right. And I owe him, I would owe him apology one way or another. Um, another good year for him as well. Definitely deserves spot. Um, honestly, line position, I think, was one of the more competitive ones once we moved up. Once we moved up. It does. And that's one I think for me, you know, as we get, as I, get better at looking at this at these teams as you do too you know mm-hmm. and I, I think coach Manasso appreciate this as well the line position is one that I think I had to go back and watch the most film on to make sure I was making the right positional choices you right. know uh, and there were ones like Ziegler and Lewis I knew I would say for my picks I knew right away those were going to be my guys um, I think second team was the one I really had to go in and go okay we're getting mm-hmm. nitty-gritty who am I putting my stuff in for yeah you know? so yeah, this was, I mean, that, that was the toughest part for me. What, what, while we're at, what, what was yours? I actually, mine was, and the first team mm-hmm. was not just off, it wasn't the offensive line. My hardest thing was on the defense side of the ball, and that was the D line. Okay. Um, because there's three guys on the D side, D line side of the first team. Um, there's one guy that's a clear number one, in my opinion. That's Brayden Cissek. Uh, you can't, you have to, you can't have a D line in the without Brayden Cissek as a first teamer. Um, but there's some guys on there like uh, Shy Hill. I thought he mm-hmm. was a first teamer uh, who was basically the uh, the bread and butter of Jacksonville on defensive this year. But you got other guys around that in this league that deserve full credit. But yeah, um, that was my difficult thing. It was the hardest thing in the first team was defense. The hardest thing for me in the second team was offense, offensive receiver, wide receivers. So, um, but yeah, it's just. The defense side of the ball for me, I, like in the game of Ironman, it's always the toughest because you're looking at people playing defense as either a their secondary position, um, because they're either offensive specialists or they prefer offensive side of the ball. Um, but when you look at the defensive side of the ball, you got to look at the people who their primary position is defense, and you you look at that, you go, well, that's Nick Hag, well, that's Frank mm-hmm. Dsay, that's Shy Hill, right? Shy uh, Hill, and that's the uh, Early in the season, you had guys like Zach Brown. He was linebacker than fullback. So that was why I focused on the second, the first team, this defense side of ball compared to the first side of ball. And it's their primary position. So, yeah, that was the hardest thing for me because there was a couple of guys on defense. I'm like, dang it. One of these guys I'm going to have to miss. Um, but yeah. But. Well, and as we go into this defensive selection, one of the one you brought up with Brandon Cisse, he is another snub uh, that did not get on either one of these um yeah as the first the first team d line uh nose nose defense nose to tackle walter thomas for the cobras leads yeah. off that along with uh ken washington and justin alexander at defensive line which honestly mm-hmm. you know wa- I, alexander talk about an end of year i mean i i think the way he ended the season really sold mm-hmm. i think a lot of voters on him landing that first team nod yeah. i think especially that game against the sharks really stood out to me the most because he, he took over second half it kind of locked it down yeah, yeah of course so and like i just mentioned my who i voted for first team and then as you can say and, um it's so hard but the guy is like washington again he there was a couple of games just not the one against jacksonville that he went this beast mode yeah <laughs> yes and that's the reason why he's on first team um but yeah 
you look at that first team, you go, really? That the first team? That just tells you how deep the NAL was this year on the defensive side of the ball, even though it was only six teams. Um, that's mm-hmm. why this league was so exciting this year. Look at the playoff standings when this playoff started, how close everybody was. Technically, they were all one game from each other, from one to four. Um, in, play, in playoff games two weeks ago, how close they were at one point. Um, that's how close these votes are for these. It's That's one thing I love about this league. Everyone has a fighting chance to get in votes. And, yeah, like when I saw Brandon Cissé didn't make it, I'm like, holy crap, I may be the only one on the island. Um, but still, because um, I'm just going to say, Brandon, you're on my first team, uh, so don't come after me um, on Saturday. And yeah, I'm actually, I actually voted you for first team. Um, but add yeah, an, um, add a add an honorable mention extra portion onto it is how I yeah. do it. Best um, I can do. But yeah, Alexander Watt and Washington, Alexander and Washington. Um, those are individuals that at one point in the season they either had clutch moments in the game that defied the game, or they single-handedly put their team on their back and let them to victory because of their defensive performance. Because as you know, in this game, it's just not the battle on the scoreboard. It's also the battle of possessions. If you win the battle of possessions, most majority of the time you're winning the game. So, uh, yeah, that's why it was so hard for me. Again, like I said, the, the first-team defense was so hard for me to pick because – of all the great talent that is in the NAL, especially on the defense side. Right. And you'll see even with the, with the linebacker selections, I think that shows how tough this was because Kerry Starks gets the Mac sack leader for mm-hmm. the NAL, by the way, dude was an animal uh, all Correct. season. Um, definitely well-deserved nod. I would have been actually upset if he wasn't in this, uh, mm-hmm. in any of these teams. Cause he, he, he just was 24 seven had a motor. Um, so definitely. Deserved. And then DJ Myers, I mean, we talked about it, you know, he got second team receiver. That's his main position. He's known for last yes. year comes in first year. Iron man dominates at the Jack linebacker, you know, he, he doesn't, he didn't dominate as a Jack linebacker. He owned it. Like oh, he, you um, you're upgrade. You just upgraded what I even gave. I, I just, like I that. literally, <laughs> I just literally, cause I voted for him in that position. Mm-hmm. I actually got a vote that actually counted that position. Yes. Um, I watched him in the Jacksonville game. The two times they came to Jacksonville and watched him, just watched him play. He, come on. Like, yep. Jack linebackers are limited in what they can do. But that he was side to side. He was following. Like, he he, he did a play that he read Arvell the whole way. And Arvell went to go lob the ball. Didn't even see him. And homeboy went or tipped it and went and ended up being an interception. Um, but yeah, I just watched him, and especially in the playoff games in Columbus and previous games against Columbus, leading up to the playoffs. I'm like, yeah, I, he there, he's the best one in the league. Yeah, well, so, well, try try being a position where you only have a five yard belt that you can mm-hmm. stay in, and you have to be in it during this before the snap, and you can only leave that said belt in a certain two to direction. three scenarios. So yeah, you have to you have to be disciplined. And you have to have quick reaction time right. if you're in coverage in that section of the field. So, honestly, yeah, talk about a guy use that's a use of Iron Man right there. When we got this started this year, that I think people mm-hmm. were going, who are these folks that are going to come out of the woodwork that are specialists and make themselves even more pronounced? DJ is one of those guys instantly that did that this season. He he definitely gets this nod for that. So, congrats yes. to him on that. Honestly, 
uh, well-deserved stuff. Same for Zach Brown on it too. Like I said, with the running back and then, you know, linebacker setup that he had as well, both well-deserved nods for these guys Mm -hmm. um, as we, and so, yeah, it was hard for linebacker for sure. Uh, Tough crowd. Absolutely. Uh, defensive backs also same deal. Cause there's a few that got left out in this too, that I'm, that I've actually, I look again, I'm going, okay, I see Josh Jenkins. I would have been really upset if Josh Jenkins wasn't in either team. Um, quite frankly, him and Randall flip could have flip flopped either way. Um, yeah. but yeah, both of them, the Preds, they have good DBs. Uh, that was something that was a constant for them all season ball hawking DBs. Jenkins was a bruiser for the most mm-hmm. part, but he had his moments for sure. He had plenty of moments this season for that Preds defense. So uh, yep. hats off to him. Marcus Smith, one that, you know, for the Sharks secondary. I'll be honest, this one surprised me. Um, I, I, I thought Rodney Hall would be in this in this section next to Dwayne Hollis. But, you know, I'm again, Sharks did have their moments later in the year. Um, Jim, obviously you have more. I'll say you have more points. I can tell instantly on Marcus himself, but. I will give as course hats off. That's mm-hmm. not saying it doesn't deserve it whatsoever. Um, uh, I think that that was the one that left me out. Cause Dwayne got in as well for first team who deserves it, who definitely deserves it too. Yes. And so that was kind of my, I guess, like I said, Rodney was the only other one that is my, I guess my one that I was surprised was on either list. But mm-hmm. um, honestly, I can tell you, you have some points on Marcus Smith that, you like to get so I I want to hear your thoughts on on it. Well, this is not this is not a comment that I want is I'm not shouting this out to the uh, NAL fan base. I'm, this is a shout out to the city of Jacksonville. Okay. Um, throwing one back again. There's a lot of fan. There's a lot of fans out there that like jumped on Marcus Smith, saying he doesn't deserve to be the first team. Homeboy was the one that was covering the Darius Princes, the DJ Myers, of the world in the in the AL. And Darren Townsend, him, he was the number one when Kenny Ville left or got traded to Albany. He became the number one DB. Yes, in the arena game, you're going to get beat. You're not going to stop someone all, every single possession. You got to learn how to give up. Uh, Smith made some clutch interceptions uh, and clutch defensive plays towards the end of the year that kept Jacksonville in the hunt for a home game in the postseason. But to the Jack, to the Jacksonville fans, like, be excited that we got a person in the first team. I'm going to admit I had him as my second team, not my first team. I think there is a like Hall should have been the first team. Um, but again, for the, for the fans of Jacksonville, stop being butthurt. We got a person on the first team, um, but still, um, go watch the film. The guy deserves it. He really does. He played his butt off this season as the number one DB for the Jacksonville Sharks. And without him playing that as he did, I don't think we stay in games against like the Carolina Cobras or when we went to San Antonio and had to play keep him up with San Antonio. He helped that process of staying in the game. So well-deserved, but to the Jacksonville fans, stop being butthurt. Like, come on, enjoy it. We got guys there, but still, um, yeah. Congrats to Smith. Well-deserved. Like, yes, I know I'm a homer. I get bashed for being a homer. Jacksonville, by the way, I think I'm at five now. Uh, so mm. you better be very tipsy up there in Albany. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I just I just, just want to say that to the fans here in the city. It's just be blessed that we have someone on the first team. And oh, yeah. he deserves it. He was a guy who, just like Naquan Murray, 
who came out of the woodwork, needed to step up and be the number one, did come up and be the number one, and, and took it by the horns and went. Uh, and same with Smith. He had to be the number one when uh, when Deal left, and he did. So congrats to those two guys uh, who got the awards. But still, Jacksonville fans, come on. Stop being so butthurt, man. Enjoy it. Championship week. Enjoy the games. Yeah, no, I that look, and I, I think that's a good good argument when you have, you know, when you have split second moments that can make or break a game and you have someone that get that is able to lock down a Darius Prince or yeah. lock down a lock down a Townsend, have get on someone like a Myers if you need to, where he has to be put on. You know, that's that's a great asset. So you know, and, and you have to, like I said, you should be happy. I mean, you should be happy for these folks either way. Cause these people, this stuff can help with, you know, if they say they happen to move on from the NAL that can help their right. nods for their careers elsewhere, or it helps them with finding signings elsewhere next year. If they don't stay with their teams or it helps them staying with their teams too, you know, that, that you gotta be happy if they're on this list one way or another. Um, and honestly, even if they, even the folks aren't on here that aren't on here, people know, we we yeah. you fans out there like ourselves listening you you know who is still good that's the thing mm-hmm. but these nods i think it's the cream of the cream of the crop like that that's what we're honoring with this and the final two we're going to give an honor here is in the special teams kicker tc stevens which honestly i mean are you are is anyone surprised i i think at, at this one you know one of the most consistent kickers for the nal in recent in recent years um comes back on the all nal list once more this season mm-hmm. uh you know tan ball white ball you name it dude had an impact on games one way or another and was as deadly and he's in the championship against second team member mark rosco so mm-hmm. hopefully we can get the kicking battle at least up for saturday and then Khalil rashad who i mean we've talked all i mean yeah everyone's talked all year you know darian it was really going to be darian or Khalil, or and i think Khalil had the just a bit better body of work at that spot and it, it's deserved you know, a very yeah. much well-deserved position. Congrats to him. Uh, you know, he is uh, definitely going to be one that's getting a happy, getting a happy nod towards himself uh, and the San Antonio organization. So that wraps it also, up. What, what, also, I forgot an honorable mention, the special teams, Parsons, Alice Antonio. Yeah, or Pearson. Um, yeah, Drew Pearson Pe- you're talking. Pe- Drew Pearson, the – the final three weeks that he was with the San Antonio Gunslingers when he finally got to the team, he was actually, I think, the only kicker that was consistently kicking deuces each and every week. That well, he was also on the got team. he also got the deuce record as well. He like tied that. So yeah, um, I think if he would have had an extra three or possibly four extra weeks on that top of the, the three, he did have like seven weeks in the season. I think he would have been one of the guys in the first and second team. He. He was very consistent. Now, mm-hmm. I know I got people who said, what about Blanchard? Mm, too, too inconsistent. But, yeah, um, TC, automatic. We Like last year where we were talking about, who was the best kicker besides Peterson? It was TC Stevens. TC yeah. T. Stevens is now here. Um, was he in first team last year? Gonna, and Peterson was second team? I'm going to have to look. I believe that is the case, actually. I think I think he's back-to-back first team. Yeah, he is first team because mm-hmm. he had to, he ended the season on fire compared to Pearson, who kind of struggled at the end of the year. So yeah, TC is back to back. Yeah, and Correct. I'm and, and yeah, yeah, confirming this right now. Yeah, TC is a back to back this year. Um, some others that are back to back first team uh, might not be the same team, but just giving you a heads up, uh, Dwayne Hollis that'll be another one on the first team that's back to back as well. Darius Prince, 
uh, Myers, but just not as a receiver. That's what's funny. He's he's got that first team nod, but now at a new position. So congrats oh, to him. Back. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, it's still like I'm. I'm not taking it away. Yeah. I'm just telling you that it's it's pretty cool that he got that as a defensive mm-hmm. position this season. But he actually mm-hmm. gets two nods in one year. Yeah, that's true. First and second. So that that's pretty. That's got to be pretty cool. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. like I said, Iron Man. I think that's what's nice. The awards get shaken up with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I now, like it. I like Iron Man for that result alone. I have a question. Mm-hmm. This is just hypothetical. Okay. First team and second team play in the hypothetical NAL Pro Bowl. Oh. Who wins? Oh, you, you're asking, oh, my God, talk about – okay, first off, imagine if it is – DJ's got to go, sorry, guys, got to flip over to my receiving position. <laughs> <laughs> Hope I don't burn you too bad. And then plays it both ways like that the entire time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to be frank with you uh, – if I had to take another quick look over here, which I'm I'm doing a quick scroll because I also moved on from it on my slate, so bear with me as I'm checking again. Uh-huh. Uh, honestly, uh, I'm still probably going to go first, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be like a blowout. Like, it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. I just think that, to me, there's both sides of the ball have just that bit extra on the first team that make me say it's that like, you know, Zach Brown to me, you know, no, not taking away from Pierre Turner bit, to me, he had a bit more oomph than Pierre Turner. Plus he also has then has it where, you know, he's got to go play linebacker on the opposite side. But again, if you look at the linebacker selections for the first team, yeah, I'd want Kerry Starks and DJ Myers because Kerry Starks was yeah. a freaking animal and is your sack leader, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. The second team's got say like, uh, Randall on the opposite side or Delvin Randall on the opposite side, but you also have Josh Jenkins. Mm-hmm. So kind of, you know, knocks things out. I think the receiving core, uh, and this is, again, if I'm hypotheticals, these guys are still talented gentlemen. I think the receiving cores for the two are an X factor as well. I personally would take the first teams a little bit more. Uh, Nyquan, the way he played, obviously Darius Prince um, and Dar- and Darian Townsend. I mean, like I said, they, all three of those, it's so hard to cover those three in general, they, are, they can so easily slip and cu- slip away and cut and miss get missed in coverage just because of how talented. And I have to take it just for that alone. Sam Castronova and Robert Kent, different play styles, but I'm going to be frank. The fact that Sam can kind of bail out of the pocket and just make a defense kind of like grab their helmet and go, Oh geez, we just gave up 15 yards off of, off of a broken three, three linemen, a three man mm-hmm. pocket. Yeah, I think I gotta go first team. It's gonna be, it would be a good game if that was the hypothetical, and I would mm-hmm. be intrigued by the fact you have to flip teams every single time. <laughs> um, plus, then you have to get you have to get honorable mentions in there for backups for rotation. I think you'd have to mm-hmm. make an NAL third team or something, and then start yeah. splitting up those guys because that wouldn't you'd have them dog tired. It would be like it would be you would you'd be like, dude, we really aren't getting paid enough for <laughs> for that. <laughs> that Agree, <laughs> but I, I take yeah. the first J- just a bit. I take the first though. I take the first, uh, because of the a Sam Casanova and B, you have two of the most dynamic receivers that are similar in style, which is Naquan and Darian Townsend, mm-hmm. speed demons, and Prince's size. Um, but who has some hidden speed when he wants to be hidden speed, he can get open. Uh, but I look at the trenches, 
And I look at the offensive line of the first team compared to the second team's defensive uh, defensive line, and and football is very odd. When you win the line line scrimmage, you win the game. And first team, in my opinion, has a better trench play than the second team. But mm-hmm. if it was hypothetical, it'll be one of those exciting games like we've seen earlier this year between San Antonio and Columbus, where it was 79-72 type of action. So hypothetical, yeah. Uh, I'll I'll take the first thing. One thing we have to add on before we jump into our coverage and discussion on our picks for the National Rally Championship is a little bit of uh, show news we're going to have moving into next year. Um, and a buddy of the show that you know, honestly, we give we got to give him a shout out either way at some point on here for just kind of you know being. I would say not only real friendly but also just awesome at like talking about the leagues, getting us some stuff maybe that he uh, maybe he knows or doesn't know about the business. Uh, mm-hmm. Two, you know, he's been has several connections amongst the alternative football community, and that is Justin Clem, who will be joining us as a, a bit of our team starting next year. Um, we're going to be working alongside with him. He's going to be helping us out with some social media. Um, as you see, he does a great job posting on his own social, you know, co- at least uh, clips and parts of games that he get, finds that are highlights. Uh, he loves the NAL, loves IFL football, CFL, but he'll be helping us exclusively with our NAL content, and we cannot wait to work with him. He, he's been a blast to talk to, um, and he's going to be helping us out next year, so we're glad to bring him on board. Yeah, uh, it, he's a great asset in the arena community. If if you know who he is, you've seen him on other sites and other um, social media. He is very active. He has a, He's built a good uh, – relationships with a lot of organizations in every league and we've had a very good working relationship with him for a couple of actually from the beginning of the year and it just came to a point where me and zach can't like you know what he let's let's give him the opportunity to you know do the socials for us Mm -hmm. and be a part of the team and we reached out to him and he was like he'll be down to do it so i'm excited uh kind of helps me and you now we're just yeah. basically just recording and doing shows while he'll be doing everything else but still it's pretty cool uh, so uh follow him he's on twitter as well uh he is very he's guaranteed if you saw him on twitter you know who he is because he is basically all over arena football um but it was it was a type of invitation that in my belief had to be done he deserves it and uh, I'm I'm very excited that he's a part of the team. Yeah, I same deal. You know, dude has a lot of passion for this level of football. Appreciate it. You know, uh, loves supporting the players. Loves uh, you know supporting this brand of football that doesn't get enough recognition as it is. And so, looking forward to working with him. Wanted to get let you guys out there know that he'll be helping us out. And uh, shout out to him as well for all the support he's had this year. Well, without further ado, Jim, it is that time. As folks have been waiting all week, we have been really quiet. We've made sure to not give our picks. There's actually one or two pickums I help that I've helped with uh, with instigating that I even haven't dropped mine in. So I got to get this just to get that out there uh, too. Um, and that is for our 2022 NAL championship game. As we've said all week, Carolina, mm-hmm. the two seed. Uh, all season have been dominant. They had a little bit of a rocky slip in the back fourth of the season. They're here. They're coming up. They are, well, they currently just got into uh, Albany as of yesterday, and they will be taking on 
the host team for the second straight year, the Albany Empire, who won last year's trophy. Remember, folks, they started up that year with 30 days. They got a whole season this year to put in, new faces as well. And here they are, found a way to get to number one, and they'll be hosting this year for second straight, looking to be back-to-back champions in this league, which has not been done in the NAL. So that is uh, something they have that is in store if they can pull this off. Only thing is, and I know we talked about this with Manas, we'll bring this up in our discussion, got to get over and get that first win of the of these four matchups. That's the big thing looming over, at least if you're talking storylines and things going in. Jim, these two are coming in, and really, they're healthy. Both of them, to me, seem like they have their best stars available. We've said this at least to everyone we've talked to. Their best folks are coming out, and they are going to be at this game. You're going to get the two versions of these teams that should be what they loaded up to be at the beginning of the year, or at least what they've transformed into being their best version of themselves coming into the season. How do you view these matchups? What are your key matchups for this championship? Well, when we look at a championship game in any sport, NFL, NBA, NHL, there's always injuries are always an issue for teams. There's a key player that's missing a game in the series, or there's a person that is not going to be 100% that he's recovering from an injury and he's playing a, a super, a, like a football game or a, a big time game. You can honestly say there's bumps and bruises. So you're going to have that in the 14, 17 week season. These are the, t- these are the healthiest these two teams have been all season. Um, this is going to be the fourth matchup between the three, between the two Carolina won the season series three Oh, um, but this is game four and it's more pivotal. Who cares who wins the season series? Whoever wins this one has the ultimate bragging rights. Um, you're going to have a very healthy Sam Castronova. You're going to have a healthy Jonathan Bain, um, in this game. Uh, this is going to be Ca- Castronova's third time playing against the, uh, Cobras because the first time it was, uh, Mike Faithful. And this is Baines again. He didn't play the last time they played the, uh, or excuse me, they had, uh, yeah, they had Malik Henry play at Albany the last time they played each other. Yes. Uh, this is a, this is going to be a situation for, um, Carolina, like how Albany was going, how Albany traveled to Carolina without Brandon Cissé, without Nick Hag. Um, now Carolina got their guys back especially Jonathan Bain, the offense, as you've seen last week or last uh, two weeks ago in the playoffs against Columbus, top notch. That's the highest. Uh, he came out with a bang, had one bad possession, and bam, it's again. Um, but the keys to this game, the key position I want to see here is Dwayne Hollis on DJ Myers. And on the reverse side of things, it's going to be the like strategic. What does Carolina's front five have against Albany's offensive line. Um, that's the key position because if you look at the last past three games this season, Carolina's defensive line and the line scrimmage battle has always favored Carolina in all three matchups. Um, and Ken, football is unique. I don't care how many touchdowns you can throw, how many field goals you can kick. You can't win the six inches in front of you. In football, you're going to lose the game most of the times. I think it's going to be more line scrimmage because we talked to Coach Rez uh, this week, and he said, man, it's going to come down to the very end. And we talked to Coach Manas, and Manas thinks this is going to be a blowout um, because that's what Manas is. That's how he is as a coach. And, if, and, again, if he doesn't trust his players, then why is he a coach? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's simple things about football. It comes down to line scrimmage. But I want to just say this. You look at the numbers. Sam Castronova clearly is the – based on statistics, he's the better overall quarterback because of the rushing, uh, apple, uh, rushing portion of his uh, – as his position, mm-hmm. but you got to look at DJ, uh, DJ Myers. One that you, you look at this, you got Darius Prince, you got DJ Myers, you have Lance Evans, you have Kendrick Ings right <laughs> you, there. Looks, you, looks you like have, you missed it. Looks like you gave Darius Prince over to the Cobra Cobras. No, 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 no. You have four of the top six leading receivers in the NAL. Uh, in I see game. what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Okay. Four to six. You have Nick Hag, you have Zach Brown, you have Trayvon Schwartz. You have three of the be- three of the best Mac linebackers in the game playing this game, and then you have two jacks that are unique: DJ Myers and Trayvon Shorts. The we've said in the beginning of the year, we said in the off season how the off season everyone was just talking about Albany and Albany and Albany and Albany, and we're like, keep your eye on Carolina; they're building a better roster, but no one's talking about them. Go figure. 17 weeks later, or 18, how many weeks has it been? It's Carolina and Albany. Mm-hmm. The, the roster that's defending champions, that was good. That was getting all the praise in Albany. But no one was talking about that Carolina team. Carolina started off hot, simmered down, went, did the elevator towards the end of the season, got to their moment. Albany kind of went on a slumber, got better, went on that little drought in the middle of the season, then ended the season on a high note. There's a saying out there that sometimes the best teams do not win championships. In this case, that's not the fact. Both these teams, in my opinion, are equal. Whoever wins is a legitimate champion. It's not, oh, they were the better team and they lost. No. Mm -hmm. They're both champions. There's a little grudge in this match, too. I've talked to a couple of players. Some players on some teams, like, yeah, we don't care that they're Three and zero, we get the championship at home. But other players are saying, "We'll we'll like to bring out that broom again and walk home with a trophy." <laughs> or, in the words of a player that we had on the show, go out and celebrate in their hometown. <laughs> um, it's championship football. What I'm saying, although the key positions, one thing I love about this game is that throughout the stats, throughout the records, these are the two best teams in the league. These are the two best rosters in the league. These are the two best, two of the best coaches in the league, all in one game, playing for a trophy, or as one coach mentions, playing for jewelry, on um, yes. which then he laughs. Um, the keys of the game is <laughs> who doesn't make turnovers, <laughs> who doesn't cause stupid penalties, because whoever does that first is behind the eight ball. Because if Jonathan Bain's on fire. And Albany's one getting the false starts, getting the turnovers, it might get ugly. And vice versa. If Sam Castronova's on fire and Carolina's the one doing all the boneheaded things, kind of dirty. For me, I won't make my pick. I'll make you decide and talk about the two games. I'm just going to say this is going to be a very unique game, and nothing will capitalize a NAL chaos season like chaos in a championship game. I have a feeling chaos is going to happen. Something unique is going to happen in the game that everyone's going to be like, I can't believe that play we'll talk about 
in March. We're going to talk about in April of next year. Like, remember that play in the championship game that turned the whole landscape? I believe mm-hmm. that play will happen oh, that I we bet. didn't have a couple of years ago. Um, but yes, it's championship game. I'll hold my pick. But I think this is going to be one of the NL championship games where you look back and go, I remember vividly this championship game 10 years down the road. Same like as I remember the 2019 game against Carolina. That was one of the most exciting championship games I've ever intended in my life. There's only been like six of them. Not all NL. Some of them were outdoor games. But that was one of the most exciting games I've ever attended. I think we're going to have that type of moment in Albany this week. I really do. Two best teams coming down the wire. Healthy. Coaches are focused. Both teams have different attitudes. They're going to be able to hit the door running. We're going to see some fireworks, I guarantee, at the media days between the two teams. And we're going to see an epic championship game on Saturday. And honestly, I can't wait. And beside, before we do a pick, sir, you take the floor. Yeah, of course. I'm going to, I'm glad you gave me, gave me the space. I, I was, was waiting it out, you know, seeing, yeah. is he going to do the pick? Is he not going to do the pick? But no, nope. this is good. This is good. Here, here's my thing I'm looking. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I'm sticking to my, my rhetoric and how I've seen this. I really do believe this is one that will be a last possession game. I, mm-hmm. I know, I know Coach Manas is, Manas, you know, I love the I love the confidence there, mm-hmm. um, and I, and I think that's great because you you know honestly both these coaches we've talked to when we've had conversations this week with them, uh, I love the confidence they have in their rosters, which you should be of course. But I mean, we're talking like I have no doubt in my mind we can pull this off type of type of deal, yeah. and they're fully loaded. That you can look at both of these teams. I mean, you see for Carolina's sake, I mean, four of their five starting five defenders are all NAL talents. Correct. Think about that. That's something you got to go against, go against alone. You know, Albany has, I mean, Albany also has nothing, nothing to snooze about either. I mean, they've had their, they have both of these teams compose a good chunk of these all NAL rosters. They're high quality talents. And some of the snubs we even talked about aren't even on here and they could be their own. Mm-hmm. So think about that folks, Jonathan Baines, the Marvin Rosses of the world, they aren't on these, but they're going to make an impact. You know, I'm so excited because I think this is a one possession affair you know, something like we saw in the semifinals in Albany last week. I'm not even going to bring up the team name because I'll have to give the folks over there another another swig. But nonetheless, I think it's going to be that way. And here's the X factor, and it's one, two of them at least. And they're both Carolina-related in my opinion. And it's going to be, A, can the Empire control the line, like you were talking, Jim, where – are they able to do what they want against that front five mm-hmm. with the folks that are on that line? Again, DJ Myers, that man has been a ball has been an excellent linebacker at the Jack spot. And I mean, max spot for them is no slouch. It's Zach Brown, who has been a stalwart that at linebacker for, for the sharks. And now for the Cobras here, since he's been in the NAL and, you know, like I said, Walter Thomas and Ford on the opposite sides of that line, what, what can I what can I tell you? There's reasons why the Cobras have been able to do what they want. They did it against the Columbus Lions. That's what you're watching at. If you're watching tape from last week, and I bet that was a game that Manas was watching tape because it was close enough to where it's not a blowout or anything. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm keying in. You know, and I think Sam, if you're, he's definitely watching it. He's going to be having to see how he moves moves the pocket. I imagine if you are Hollins and Lewis, you're also trying to see how am I going to be able to maintain that offensive pocket for Sam. If I'm in, if I'm in Albany, 
it comes down to really that front line play. And to mm-hmm. me, if I'm the Empire, and you know, the Empire have no slouch, slouch either in their receiving core because, like I said, Markel Wade, Aaron Washa, Dwayne Hollis as well, they can burn you. But talk about the weapons in, Car- in Carolina. We've said all year. It's not just DJ Myers and Kendrick Kings, Lance Evans, James Summers, Joe Powell. They have five people that can burn you at any given time and have had moments in games all year. That's the other X factor to me. Can Marvin Ross, DJ Myers, and and McGruder and company lock down what what offensively the Cobras have been able to do all season? And can Brandon Cisse and Cornelius Lewis get back there along with, of course, you know, like to so say like a you know, Nick Hag to make an impact. That's what's going to be your your key. You know, it comes down, of course, that line play again. But I really think that the receiving core of Carolina, if you're somehow able to make it where Jonathan Bain is uncomfortable all day, mm-hmm. and it's not just that he's finding one, he can't find anybody because he doesn't have time. That is going to be where you can get it as the empire. Um, my third one, and this is because of the fact that they haven't faced this offense yet because it came out of what they were adjusting during the three game losing streak. How do the Cobras respond to the Albany offense now with the adjustments of really indoor football concepts? If, as we've talked, the empire adapted as we talked with Manas earlier today, you might've listened to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Damon, Damon Wade and him, they went back, they went back to their IFL days and they brought concepts here and it's been working like that since it's been really efficient especially with Trayvon Shorts now being the running back. Correct. How do you handle that? Will you make the adjustments necessary to slow down that newly tuned offense? Those three keys are what you should be watching for in this game, along with the fact that for the Empire, their three losses, their two of their three losses, and I'm talking the two with Sam Castronova, not with, of course, Mike Faithful. Crazy to think that week one we had Mike Faithful in Albany. It's come down to, you know, just who makes one to two less mistakes. You know, one game came down to simply the fact that it was a, it was essentially an, an intentional grounding call that ended that game for Albany. They remember they got a four and out on their own two yard line late in the fourth quarter. They need a score to go up, and it was one play. Now credit, it's games are full length, but if you go back there, you get that one possession. We could be talking about a little bit different record. But it comes down to cleanest football at the right time. Mm-hmm. One thing Josh Resignal has done this season, when it comes to clutch moments, games that matter in the grand scheme, make or breaks, even 14 weeks of play, he's made it and has done it when it get, going gets tough. Albany's done it too, but they haven't been able to do it yet against Carolina. Can they do it this time? Which then leads into picks. And I'll be saying it, I think the, I think the Empire will do it this time. And I'm going to say that the main X factor comes down to that offense because of the tuning, because of Trayvon shorts, allowing a little bit more of an unpredictability with the run game opens up the pass game. And so with those in mind, I think you have just enough with the empire's defense who are opportunistic when they need to be. That has been really something that they have come to adapt to in this stretch run that they've had of wins the back half of the season. I think that they find just enough opportunities either in a four and out or they can get Jonathan Bain rattled enough to get one interception that I think they flip this game because I don't see it being a blowout either way. I really see this as the cleanest play will win this one. 
it's to me, it comes down simply to who plays the cleanest. I think the empire offensively have things figured out to where they want to be their best version of themselves. I think they walk away with their second straight NL championship and MVP Reno have confetti raining down for them in front of a large audience. Hmm. How can I phrase this? There's going to be a couple of things that are going to happen in this game. One, there will be a crucial interception in the fourth quarter. Two, no deuces will be made in this game. Okay. Three, the team that wins will join, drink up Albany, Jacksonville as the two championship member of the NAL. Uh, I see what you, I see, I see. Jonathan Bain versus Sam Castronova. DJ versus Darius Prince. You can go down the list of both teams. Coach Rezanalo versus Nas. This is the fourth time these two teams have met each other. Carolina's won all three. In the words of a great coach in the National Football League who has won multiple championships, it's hard to beat a team once. It's hard to beat a team twice. It's impossible to beat a team three times. Carolina did that against Albany. But now this is the fourth meeting, the most unique. We don't see a lot of fourth matchups in football. It's true. This is historic in the NL and arena game. Two teams are very experienced. One team has a lot of championships already in their history, um, going back to the AFL, and a couple of players that have currently have titles. Mm -hmm. But I look at the rosters, and I look at the two quarterbacks. One, mobile, hot shot. Doesn't like his nickname. The other one, a veteran who's been there, who's done that. And clearly, when he's playing, Carolina is at their best. As much as I love him, as much as I think he's going to be a superstar in the making in the NAL, something deep down inside says that this game is going to be a turnover ship. So with that, I think... The Albany Empire will get that interception. Will get that big play. And they will hoist their second trophy of the 2022 season and join Jacksonville <laughs> as the two championship club. I'm just saying Jacksonville to get the beers drinking. So you're all you're all <laughs> drunk by now. So yes, I think I think Albany does hold on to this game. I think we touched 70s in this game, and mm. it's going to come down to one possession. I, I, uh, I really do. I really do think, looking at both teams and how both teams prepare, travel situation, the people we talk to, it's just for me, it's, it's so hard to beat a team four times. Um, but I think it's a one possession game, and I think there's going to be a big turnover in the fourth quarter. Like I mentioned before, that's going to be that moment you go, you remember that play. That turned everything around. And won a it's going to happen in the fourth quarter. Basically, how I'm setting it up, Carolina is going to get the ball, and they're going to go for the kill. Dwayne Hollis or Nick Hag is going to get a pivotal turnover that's going to switch the game. That's going to make Albany get that ball, get the game-winning touchdown, and ice it. 
I think Albany scores a game-winning touchdown with no time on the clock left and wins their championship. That's how close I think this game is going to be, and I really can't wait because I think it's going to be very exciting as the season comes to a epic, chaotic end, and that's why. Now, if we were betting, I'll still pick Albany because here's why. They just don't lose championship games when they host. They just don't. Look at their history. They just don't. It's true. Um, but yeah, yes, the, the Homer down in Jacksonville picks the Albany Empire. Um, and I might get a text message from Coach Red Shares. Like, what the heck? Well, well, West I, Coach, I'm going to be honest. It's hard for me to pick against the Cobras here. Yeah. Um, and, and, and honestly, if you want, you're a Cobras fan, I can imagine what's being said right now. Well, they've beaten mm-hmm. them twice in Albany already this season. They know how to travel on the road. You know, they, they've beaten this Empire squad already. You know, to me, it's just, I think you're going to have the largest crowd there they've had all year. So they'll have that extra bit mm-hmm. on them. And I think that, like I said, it's it's been constant adjustment for Albany. Eventually, you know, if, and look, if Rez pulls, pulls it off and gets four in a row here, Shout out to him. I have my re- yeah. we I have my reserve crow sitting out off screen, and it's going to be very much eating very much eating it for a cookout some point a week or so after the championship. And you know, knowing us, he'll be on or Tom, yeah, and we'll talk. And knowing yeah. these picks, if it is Rez, he'll, he'll we'll have a little. He'll give us a good old uh, tough loving. I'll make some. I'm, I'll make a bet personal bet okay whoever whoever wins this game i am buying championship gear from that team and i'll have to wear it and i'll and here's the bet i'll have to wear it that that championship shirt off like during the off season every episode if this shirt's veil i'm not gonna wear it like every single day okay i'm gonna wear that shirt represent i may switch up because i do i actually do got a san antonio shirt finally um which is odd i ordered that four months ago almost but you know it finally got to me um but i have some other shirts and so yeah i'm gonna buy whoever's championship shirt that is and that not next show because you know how deliveries are it takes forever um I'll wear it. That's my bet. If whoever wins this championship, I will wear a championship shirt. Um, that is my gratitude to the organization and gratitude to the league for, again, for us, giving us the opportunity to be the official podcast and give us the opportunity to express our opinion about the league that we love and appreciate. So I just want to say that no matter who wins, you're going to get my money, and this Shark fan is going to wear some enemy colors for a couple of weeks this off season because of the bet. It's just a friendly bet. And it, honestly, again, it's me giving it some gear away. And also I did have this, someone message me about the tickets that we're supposed to give because of our uh, sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. I had a person come behind me up, up a person from up on up uh, saying that, uh, hold down on that. We might have something this off season for you. Um, so just stand by. Uh, we will be doing a giveaway, but it won't be for tickets. It'll be for some other NAL stuff. So um, just stay tuned for that. But, yeah, thank you again for watching this whole entire season. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the championship game. Zach, enjoy your flight, my friend. Yes. And um, go up there. Um, be safe. Say hi to everybody. Enjoy the hibachi if you get there in time with the Cobras. Enjoy the hibachi. I'm hoping, I'm hoping so. Um, um, 
But for me, for the people out there, still haven't got confirmation. There will be somewhat of a live stream happening, live reaction Saturday night. It would either be me with Mason Epson-Minoza with another player, or it will be me or another colleague who watches Arena Football who understands the game. Just come there and enjoy. We're, we're watching the game, and we're going to be enjoying the championship game. So it's a full event. We'll go live, mainly around uh, the games at 7. We'll go live at 6 on our live stream on Saturday um, for everyone to join on, on Inside the Walls podcast. And, again, we'll be watching it. Uh, we're not going to be playing it on our thing. So that's Saturday night. And, of course, Zach may be hijacking the Twitter uh, page of Inside the Walls because uh, he'll be live there getting some live video, which is on the scene. He's going to be on our scene reporter. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And also this offseason, can't wait. we got a lot of announcements coming out for the show, uh, things I'm working, things that I'm working with other colleagues with. Uh, we're trying to get something something together for the offseason. Um, so, yeah, uh, enjoy the offseason. Enjoy the championship Saturday. Enjoy your trip, Zach. And to the fans out there, appreciate the love and respect. And to the National Arena League, thank you again for uh, giving to Average Joe's opportunity to present the product to the fans of the National Arena League. Cheers to all of you. Enjoy the NAL championship. And honestly, I'm looking forward to being out there and being that on-scene guy and Mm -hmm. getting to encapsulate what has been an entertaining 2022 season. Folks, if you want to keep up, by the way, for any of those updates or the live stream, be sure to follow us on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is at InWallsPod for all three. Again, at InWallsPod. You can find the live stream on Facebook or on Facebook or YouTube, of course. Um, it will be, depending on that, of course, details working out. Uh, Twitter, I'll be jumping on, and I'll possibly be doing a live stream of bits and pieces of that there, posting video. So you will definitely want to tune into our Twitter for that, too. Also, I want to thank Dave, David, Justin, Brandon, Skyler, Mike, and Steve, Josh, Coach Rez, Coach Manas, Levesque, Gaz, uh, Matt Coe, and Richard. Those people that I just mentioned are fans, listeners, and supporters, and people we have great relationships with that got this podcast off the ground that gives us a chance to present and also gives us our motivation for what we do each and every week this season. I want to say thank you to those individuals. Thank you for the support. Thank you for helping us, uh, especially the coaches and, the Le- and especially Levesque and Gaz. Uh, go to their show that they do every Tuesday. They do a great job, the Levesque and Gaz show. And everyone else, especially Phil. Sorry, Phil from San Antonio. I appreciate go. the love and support, too. Uh, I just, I'm just very humbled, uh, honestly, man, about this whole situation. And enjoy the championship game. Tune in Saturday for the championship game for myself. Zach will be there live. So, um, six days straight of content. Seventh day coming. Um, it's championship Saturday, and just like that, the season's over. But it'd be very chaotic, and I can't wait to not just see who wins the championship, but see what this league brings us in 2023. Absolutely. Much more ahead, as always, for the NAL, even into the offseason. Folks. Covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier.